What is going on, my fellow geeks, and welcome back to Raving Geeks. I do have a media recommendation. I love Lord of the Rings. Superheroes, movies, a little jack-of-all-trades, I guess. So what makes me a geek? Alright, what is going on, my fellow geeks, and welcome back to Raving Geeks, the weekly pop culture podcast from Central Michigan Life, where we discuss all things geek culture, uh, which is like high culture, but better. Uh, If this is your first time joining us, make sure you follow the CM Life Instagram and Twitter pages for updates on the podcast, and to look for us wherever you find your podcasts, including YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on our website at www.cm-life.com. My name is Brendan Valentine, and I'd like to thank you all for joining me today. Uh, with me, we have uh, my fellow co-hosts, Isaac and Hope, and we have a special guest for you today, Jeff Abraham. Uh, I'll let them all introduce themselves in a second with our question of the week, which is, drumroll please, uh, what is your favorite Disney park? Um, so this can mean anything, like the, there's a couple down in Orlando, there's Disneyland out in California, there's a couple like international parks is kind of like we're, what we're opening it up to. Um, but I can give my answer first and then pass it off to uh, the hosts and our guests. Uh, but my favorite Disney park, it took me a little while, um, I narrowed it down to two uh, between Epcot and uh, Hollywood Studios. Um, I like Epcot because I like travel but I ended up having to choose Hollywood Studios because that's where, um, I believe that's where Galaxy's Edge is. Um, And that is my favorite Disney attraction. Even though I haven't been there, that's like bucket list of things I have to go check off and see. I have to go make my lightsaber and ride the rides and everything like that. Seeing as like the the story that happens on the ride is canon in the Star Wars universe. So like I have to check that off my list. So um, host, when do you want to go next? Um, yes. Hello. Uh, Isaac Hunter here. Um, I have never been to a Disney park, uh, but I will eventually. That's the goal. Um, and, and so I did uh, peruse through a handful. Uh, but I do think very similarly, Brendan, um, I think Epcot has always looked so cool. Uh, you know, the different all around the world in one place. Um, but also Galaxy's Edge, uh, looks so cool i've been watching videos of it i i one day as well maybe we can go together it just looks really (laughs) cool um oh speaking of videos of it isaac have you seen the one where like there's like a little like stage thing with the actors or like they bring out the characters and then like darth vader comes out and there's a jedi there and he's like oh do you want to help me fight darth vader and he pulls like a kid out of the audience but then the kid like like gets on one knee and is like, no, I want to join Darth Vader. It's my favorite yeah. thing on the internet. She's like six. I think it's so funny. Priorities anyway, right there. Yeah, tangent. But all right, uh, all right. Hope. Yes. Uh, hey everyone. I am Hope Goodrell. Um, I have also never been to a Disney park. Um, I was promised by my oldest sister and her husband that for their 10 year anniversary, I would go with them to essentially babysit the children. Well, the children are seven and will be three this year. And last year was their 10 year anniversary. So it wouldn't have worked out for the children to be there and, you know, actually enjoy it. Um, But I'm hoping that one day in the future, my best friend and I actually have like plans as well because we really want to go to Harry Potter world and everything. That's Um, universal. Yeah, I know that's universal. But so I was going to say, my favorite for the Disney parks is Magic Animal Kingdom. 
And the reason why I say that is because I've been watching uh, the magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom on Disney Plus, and I love the animals, and I would absolutely love to see all of like the parrots flying over to the Tree of Life. Like that would be so cool to go on the safari and everything. So, yeah, it is very cool. <laughs> um, and now, now for our guest, um, Jeff, what is your favorite Disney park? Okay, so I'm Jeff Abraham, uh, and I'd have to say that my favorite park is probably Hollywood Studios, but at the time it was MGM Studios, and essentially that's where I grew up as a designer. So uh, I, I love it. Did a ton of work in that park. Uh, the people are great. The attractions are great. The, the, the layout, the way you move through the space, um, it's great. But I have to agree, Animal Kingdom is also with the safari, uh, the animals, the, the, the passion that the, uh, the Imagineers put into the, the design of the place, operations, it, it's, a, it's an incredible park. And you can just go, you don't have to ride anything, you can just go hang out there for the day and just wander around. It's, it's beautiful. So, but then I also want to add in Magic Kingdom because it's the Magic Kingdom. And, and, and why would you not want to be someplace that's magic, right? So the kids love it, the adults love it, it's got everything that you want. I haven't been to Magic Kingdom since I was like really little. I don't think I was like, I think that was when I went when I was like six. It's been a while. Well, it um, sounds like we need to pack all you guys up and like <laughs> truck you down to Orlando, and then we have to do the full experience because you're missing out. I'm fully vaccinated yeah. April 14th, so all right, um, okay. it should April be good. April 15th is when I'm fully vaccinated. If we so. get GoPros, it could be a podcast. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Make a TikTok, uh, like a few different TikToks. Come on. Exactly. Let's do it. All righty. So before we move on to our very exciting main portion of the uh, podcast, which we'll elaborate on in a little bit, uh, we'd like to just uh, quick rapid fire our geek news today. Um, so who would like to start? Um, I can I can start. Um, my geek news is also historical. Uh, it's just that um, a World War II codebreaker uh, by the name of Alan Turing uh, is going to be honored on the UK's new 50 pound note. Um, oh, really? Which is like being nice. Ulysses S. Grant in America. Yeah, and I think that's really cool. Like, I don't know. He's not a, a royal. He's not something. He's just a cool code breaker. And I think that counts as a geek in my book. What was the movie that was made about him? Uh, was, it the, was it the imitation game that's about touring with Benedict I Cumberbatch? Think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. And if you've seen that, he's major geek, but like really cool <laughs> about it too. Um. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, and so I think that, I don't know, I think that's cool. That counts as geek news. <laughs> yes. Nice. Uh, Jeff, did you uh, bring in you should news? be next. Oh, I oh. should be next? <laughs> Go ahead. No, uh, no, Jeff, no. definitely. I'll, no, I'll throw it to Jeff. Okay, so my, my geek news is, is old. It, it's very old, but it, it's, it's, it's a great story. And uh, so Herbie Ryman, who was um, uh, one of Walt's uh, sketch artists, concept artists, uh, the story goes that Friday night, Walt called him late and said, this was before Disneyland, before any of the parks existed, and said to Herbie, um, I'm going to New York on Monday. I need a sketch to show the bankers what the concept for Disneyland is going to be. And Herbie's like, it's Friday night. I have no idea what you want me to draw. Um, you know, there's no way I have no, how would I do this? And Walt said, well, I'll stay with you for the weekend and I'll tell you what I want and you just draw it and then I can take it on, on Monday and we'll head to, head to New York and see if we can get the funding. So obviously they did it. There's an amazing sketch. If you look online, you can find it. It's, it's a, a Herbie's did, 
Herbie Ryman's Disneyland sketch. And uh, the fact that one pencil sketch uh, that was done over weekend is the reason um, all of the Disney parks and assets exist throughout the world. So geek news, I think so, you know, a doodle. Yeah. A doodle for a weekend and millions of people all over the world, you know, enjoy uh, Disney parks, films, all of that. Love it. Yeah, uh, Disney has, while most companies have been like struggling, Disney on like the media front has been definitely like showing its adaptability and power. So um, then I can hop in next on Geek News too. So um, for my Geek News, it's movie related as usual. Um, So the Black Widow movie, which was originally set to premiere the first week of May, May 7th, um, has been delayed um, again to July 9th, but it seems like this will be the last delay. Um, but un- I think this is unfortunate, but, um, be- this is because Disney plus is going to have it as a premier access option. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the premier access stuff because it's so expensive and I already pay for Disney plus, but also like they need to release movies. So I understand why they're doing it, but at the same time, it's like, all right, COVID just go away so I can go to the movie theater comfortably, but I'll be vaccinated. So hopefully I'll be able to actually like go to the theater and do that. Um, my next piece of news is uh, Pierce Brosnan has been cast as Dr. Fate in the Black Adam movie. And I am so excited. Wow. Um, like if, for those of you who don't know who Pierce Brosnan is, he's, I think it was James, uh, James Bond. Like that's where I know oh, him from. Yes. 007. And I'm so excited that he's playing Dr. Fate. Cause Dr. Fate is one of my favorite DC heroes. Um, like of all time, like he's, for those of you who don't know Dr. Fate, he's kind of like the DC equivalent of Dr. Strange, but like it's, they're still very different and distinct characters, but, um, there's that. That's, and then I was, that's it, so I cool. I was just going to say I, that with, with a, with a, a face like Pierce Brosnan's, you don't want to cover that up with a helmet, the whole movie. And Dr. I mean, uh, Dr. Fate has a helmet the whole time. So I'm wondering how they're going to do that. He has a great voice though, too. So it, mm-hmm. So it'd probably be like they'll. Ex- so it's not his movie. It's like the Black Adam movie. So like his scenes will probably be like mostly without helmet, and then the fight scenes will be with helmet. Mm. Um, so that's that's my guess. But you know that movie's still a year away. So or over a year away. So we'll see. Um, and then my last bit of news is more like rumor based. But um, with the release of the Snyder Cut, the Russo brothers have been vocal about how much they like <laughs> like that. Um, so the rumor floating around is that they have the potential to put together a six hour long cut of Avengers Endgame to um, and potentially release that once the pandemic is over in theaters to reclaim their title of Endgame as the uh, highest grossing movie of all time. Um, I would love this, but also I can't sit in a theater for six hours like they need to have like a halfway mark where we can like get out and go to the bathroom. Um, but also like if they're yeah. going to release a six, if they have it, I would love to see a six hour cut. Um, cause uh, something I saw on like Twitter was people were like, Oh, but like there were scenes in there that like, you know, what did they deem less important than like Hulk dabbing and like Thor playing Fortnite? And I'm like, no, no they cut out like whole storylines that like are, that they're going to add to. And I'm, I'm very excited to see like what they decided, you know what, this isn't necessary to the story we're trying to tell, but like, we still think it's really cool. All righty. Um, hope. Yes. How much you got for us this week? A lot. And you took two of mine. Well, ish. Oh, good. (laughs) Parts of mine. Um, So first off, Black Adam is also going to be a Dwayne Johnson movie. So Dwayne Johnson and Pierce Brosnan 
acting together and like that's just like star power holy cow um but so the I, I feel like I have to like read what I read off of this article um because to me it was just like all right we got this um so it started with Dwayne Johnson isn't letting the hype of Zack Snyder's Justice League pass by um and so it goes on uh Dwayne Johnson took to his Instagram to release um the opening page of Black Adam's script in a video um and he also uh captioned it with well I'd love to wear a rainbow every day and tell the world that everything's okay but I'll try to carry off a little darkness on my back till things are brighter I'm the man in black hashtag BA Black Adam um so it's three weeks away from shooting is what Black Adam is so um I'm excited for that. And especially after hearing Pierce Brosnan coming in, like star power right there. Um, And then to go off your other one, Brendan, with Black Widow, uh, Marvel also released a whole plethora of uh, release dates for upcoming Marvel movies. So uh, after Black Widow, you have uh, September 3rd is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. November 5th, is the Eternals and December 17th is Spider-Man No Way Home. And that's just in this year. Next year, which is hopefully when we actually get Marvel movies back into theaters. So it'll be like three years since a Marvel movie has been in theaters um, is March 25th with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. May 6th is uh, Thor Love and Thunder. July 8th is Black Panther 2. October 7th is an untitled Marvel movie. Like, they didn't release it. They were just like, hey, something's coming out here. And I was like, excusez-moi. Okay, they Um, have, like, 10 projects, like, on the horizon that they have, like, casts and are shooting for. So do you think they're just, like, juggling which one they're going to put in that slot? Or Probably, um, especially if it's, like, a smaller movie that they're probably going to do that for. Um. And then the final one was November 11th, Captain Marvel 2. They had stuff for 2023, but it was like a lot of untitled stuff and like just like vague. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, to go through, Captain Marvel 2 is supposed to be, uh, is set to start shooting on May 31st in LA. And it's also going to be shooting some scenes in London. So hopefully like covid goes away so we can actually like get things filmed um there was also a announcement about a spin-off series of the hawkeye movie coming out um i believe it was oh hawkeye series well it was with uh the deaf um character uh the female yeah um i think it was called like echo or something like that i apparently didn't say that yeah, because oh, Kate. Yeah, that's not Kate Bishop. That's, um, that's yeah. Hawkeye's daughter, I believe. At, at least, like the MCU set it up to be her. Um, um, yeah, it was like I don't know where I saved it to. Apparently, I didn't save it, or it's just like not in my Raving Geeks folder on my phone. Um, but so to go through a bunch of others, one that I'm surprised that Brendan didn't notice because it's a CW show and it's about Batwoman. Um. They have cast a new uh, actress to play Kate Kane. 
And it's Wallace Day, and she was in the series Krypton and the Royals. Um, I guess she was in like a recent episode, like where like they vaguely hinted that Kate Kane was back. Oh, they've been hinting Kate Kane is alive this entire season. I'm just not caught up on their most recent episode. Otherwise, I probably would have said something. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry if I spoiled anything. Oh uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> Honestly, I've seen it coming. So, um, so. We've got The Lost City of D. It's going, it's a romantic action comedy starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, as well as Daniel Radcliffe, who is going to be playing the villain of this movie. I love when um, he plays the villain. <laughs> yes. I loved him in uh, Now You See Me Too. That one yeah, that's was what I'm phenomenal. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is set to play a real-life British illusionist who used magic to defeat the Desert Fox in World War II in Colin Trevorrow's next film called War Magician. Um, Imitation Game meets Doctor Strange. <laughs> uh, Tenet is set to debut on HBO Max on May 1st, which is interesting because Christopher Nolan was quoted a few months ago um, saying that HBO Max was the worst streaming service. Until now, that's what he yeah. was getting at. Mm-hmm. Until, Until now. now, now that my movie's on it, and now that we, um, Jeff, just so you know, we constantly ask HBO Max for a um, a sponsorship, just because none of us have HBO Max, but all of us want HBO Max. So um, HBO Max, if you're listening again, please sponsor the podcast. And, like I'm calling stuff out here, like Tenet, yeah. come on. Um, Rick and Morty fans, there was an Animal Crossing crossover where Rick and Morty uh, entered the Animal Crossing universe. Um, it shows they so Rick and it was on Adult Swim and it was a short like little thing. Um, and Morty is mostly playing the game the way it's supposed to be played, while Rick is well Rick. Um, there are beach chase scenes, big robots, and even some lounging by the beach. Um, so if you're into Rick and Morty and you love Animal Crossing New Horizons, that is something to check out. Uh, for Shazam! Fury of the Gods, Shazam 2, Helen Mirren has been cast as the villain Hespera, who is the daughter of the Greek god Atlas. Um, so that will be an interesting change. Uh, for fans of DC Comics, Zatanna is um, coming out soon. Uh, Emerald Fennell, who I believe wrote Promising Young Woman, is set to write the theatrical movie focused on the DC heroine. Um, if you are a fan of anime, uh, Kenny Reeves is set to star in and produce the live action film and anime series Berserker for oh. Netflix. That's exciting. <laughs> uh, In the Heights has moved up their release date by a whole week. So instead of June 18th, it is now June 11th. And John Shu was quoted saying that is because of the high demand after the recent trailer release. They're like, hey, let's move this up a week. Give fans what they Same want. Same day as Loki, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's my birthday too, fans. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Look at all these presents birthday. they're giving me. <laughs> um, 
Falcon and Winter Soldier opened as the most watched series premiere ever on Disney+. Um, Tyler Perry has a new film called A Jasmine's Blues, which will be releasing on Netflix. And this one is like super important to um, Tyler Perry because he actually wrote the script for this 26 years ago and has been trying to get it on film since then. Um, It is set, so the film is set from 1937 to 87 and it follows an investigation into an unsolved murder, unveiling a story of forbidden love, deceit and a secret that has been held for 40 years. Um, So yeah, he's super excited for that and I'm intrigued about that one. And then we've got National Treasure. For fans of the two movies for National Treasure 1 and 2, there is a third movie in the works with Jerry Bruckheimer and the original cast. Oh, um, and it's going to be like picking up where um, they left off at the end of um, National Treasure 2 with the whole secret book that the president definitely didn't tell Ben Gates about to look in when he was breaking into the uh, National Library. There's also going to be a new TV series that will stream on Disney Plus, which will follow uh, Jess Morales, a 20 year old Latina character and her friends who set off on an adventure to uncover her mysterious family history and recover lost treasure. Um, So we will hopefully have um, both a streaming and big release on theatrical release um soon for those two and i'm really excited for that so nice all righty uh well that is it for geek news today and now we can move on to our main topic um if you like haven't gotten um the allusion to what we're talking about today uh given jeff's answers um uh jeff formerly worked at uh, the Disney parks that we are like are so lovingly talking about. Um, so just to start it off, um, Jeff, uh, what did you do when you uh, worked for Disney? So I was uh, an Imagineer. Uh, I was a art director, creator director for uh, WDI in Florida, in Orlando, Florida. Nice. And so uh, for those people not familiar with the term Imagineer, uh, like what did your day to day look like uh, when you were working there? So Imagineers, they are, they're the group who design the design and build the parks, the ships, uh, the rides, the shows, everything that you see as a guest when you come into the parks. And we do that all around the world, or they do that all around the world. Um, And uh, my day to day, it depended on what I was doing. So I had jobs from a a graphic designer uh, at Hollywood Studios or MGM Studios at the time. So I, uh, my my first day, uh, I was uh, on top of a bus measuring a bus because they were going to redo the graphics for all the buses for the for the property. Um, I worked on a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle truck uh, doing the graphics for that so that thing would roll out and you know everyone would, they don't spill out into the into the street and and do their show. Um, so anything from you know graphic design to art directing. Um, I went to Magic Kingdom was the art director for Magic Kingdom for about a year and a half. And so you work with everybody. Um, there, there's more than just the, uh, 
pieces that you see, right? The castle and Main Street and, and the rides and everything. There's a whole, uh, you know, network and operation behind all of that that makes it happen. So um, my job or Imagineering's job is to uh, put on the best show possible for the guests. And that's part of what I did. Oh, it sounds really cool. And having like seen you work, I know it is like a really cool and fun <laughs> job. Um, so hope Isaac and I have some like some questions about the process. If uh, if you don't mind, I know like you're, we kind of, you're kind of stuck here. So um, well, not stuck. But um, so hope uh, I know you had uh, a question. Yeah. Um, so I'll start at the beginning of how did you become an Imagineer? Uh, sorry, Isaac. Sorry, Isaac. Yet another one. So I went to the uh, Center for Creative Studies or, or College for Creative Studies in downtown Detroit, a uh, great school. And Disney sent uh, a vice president up to take a look at one of the studio projects, which was a, a roller coaster at the time. And uh, I um, put a portfolio uh, at the time, a, a stack of papers about you know two inches thick in his hands and said, I'd, I'd really like a job. And I landed an internship and then they offered me a job at the end of the internship and I, and I went back down. So at the time it wasn't Imagineering in Florida. There was just a small contingency and I ended up going to design and engineering as part of Walt Disney World. Uh, but as Imagineering grew in Florida, um, I started to go back and forth and do work for them. And then eventually I got pulled over to, to WDI. All right, um, well, uh... That's how you started. Um, I guess, how long have you, have you been, were you an, an Imagineer? So on and off, because I've come and gone from the company uh, a couple of times. So it varies, but I, I'd say I've been around with Disney since 1991, um, you know, but so like five, six years at a time. And then this last time I was there for about eight, a little over eight years. So I'd say about 15 years total with Disney. Nice. Um, that's a, a quite um, a while working with like that company, like in Disney, like from the nineties to now, it's definitely like made some big changes. So like over, like throughout your time there, what was like your favorite or like your biggest project that you were working on? Favorite, biggest, maybe two different ones or the same one? Well, yeah, so two things. So when I started in the nineties, in the early nineties, we were drawing everything on boards, right? There was no, really no computer yet. Uh, so everything was hand drawn. Um, so, so coming and going and going back when I went back, everything was on computer. So illustrator, you know, Photoshop, all of that had been introduced and we were utilizing all those programs. Um, my favorite, I don't know. The thing is, is that everything, all, all the, all the jobs are fun. All the projects are fun. I mean, you know, doing graphics for star Wars weekends. How can you beat that? I mean, I, I love <laughs> Star Wars, right. That's why, that's why I'm in the symphony. Um, I worked, uh, I was creative director, one of the creative directors for Disney Springs. So literally from, you know, the, the initial concepts all the way through to, you know, stepping in wet concrete as they poured it uh, to opening day, did that. And then my latest gig with them uh, before December was I was a creative director for Tron Light Cycle Run at Magic Kingdom. So, you know, everything is, the work is different. The projects are different. Um, the people are amazing. That's, you know, probably the biggest draw for each of the projects. Uh, but, you know, when I went back, I was putting props back into Big Thunder Mountain. So six months, you know, going up and down concrete hills and, and uh, you know, screwing um, uh, barrels and ropes and all sorts of things into the, into the landscape. It's, it's interesting, it's all fun, it, you know, at night, you know, midnight, two o'clock in the morning when the parks clear out, 
then we go back in and it's a whole nother world. They turn the work lights on and, and then, you know, everybody gets to work and, and, uh, um, makes it new or different or, you know, amazing for the next day for the guests. So it, it's interesting. It's really cool to walk through magic kingdom by yourself, uh, you know, with the lights and the music on and there's no one else around. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. That sounds really, really cool. Um, especially like with Ma magic kingdom in my experience has the most like, um, like visual stuff. I mean, the animal kingdom has like the nature around it, but like all of like the things that people think of as like stereotypical Disney, that's all Magic Kingdom. So that'd be really, really cool. Um, can I follow up? Did you ever walk through Animal Kingdom at night? Because I feel like, you know, with the animals there too, that one might be no. I mean, there in the safari area. But no, I never did. I never did that much work at Animal Kingdom. I did some graphics, you know, and a couple smaller projects, but really nothing, no night installs. Uh, pretty much studios, Epcot, and, and Magic Kingdom is where, where I spend most of my time. But yeah, again, any of the parks at night, it's just, it's interesting just to see how everything is without, without people around. Right. Cause then you start to see how um, they laid things out, you know, the colors, the textures, the lighting, the music, how everything plays together. Uh, you get a real sense of what the, what the place is, but then you also see how guests, you know, in the location really bring it to life and how the cast members who work the work, the, um, the areas bring it to life. Uh, so it, it's, it's, a, it's a cool contrast. It is. I can't even imagine that. Uh, Hope, did yeah. you have a, you had something else related? Yeah. Um, so actually you mentioned working on the Tron um, ride. I had watched the uh, Disney plus series prop culture. And I was wondering if you were able to like, um, like get inspiration from like the original props that they still have around from like the original Tron movies. So the, so the, the Tron, yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, I love the, the original Tron movie as a kid uh, and I love the, uh, the, the Tron legacy and that's what the aesthetic, what the, the look is, is based off of for, for Shanghai. So um, Scott Drake and team, they're the ones that did Shanghai. Uh, and so we went over three or four times to look what they had done and ride the ride uh, again at, you know, five o'clock in the morning with no one around. Um, uh, take a look at everything. And then, um, you know, basically copy that aesthetic and then recreate it in Florida is what we've done here. Um, some aesthetic changes to the building, um, but the ride is essentially the same, which, you know, when it opens, you guys will see it. And actually, like we said, you have to come down so we can ride it. So. Sounds good. Um, and so just to clarify, you went over to sh the Shanghai location, which already has a Tron ride and then came back and used that inspiration to kind of like incorporate that into the Orlando park. Correct. Yeah. So that is, so essentially it's what they call the company calls a lift. Um, so you take essentially the same attraction and then you, you redo it in a, in a different location, but it is more or less the same, obviously because of the site differences and there's some subtle differences, but if you ride Shanghai and then you ride Orlando, you're going to have the, the same amazing experience. So did you do like a lot of traveling between, you know, the Orlando locations and the other international locations as a part of your job? On occasion, so Tron was probably the most. Uh, with Disney Springs, uh, there was quite a bit of um, uh, travel throughout the U.S., talking to third-party uh, vendors and people that we wanted to bring in to be part of the story. Um, but, uh, yeah, with, with Tron, there was quite a bit of, of overseas travel, which I loved. I mean, you get to see the world um, while working on a, a really cool project. That's awesome. 
Isaac, I felt like I stole your question with that one, you, but I had to get it in there. I was I was about to ask about travel, but that's okay. So, um, Jeff, as you know, uh, as you might know, there are a plethora of uh, hidden Mickey's in uh, Disney parks. Did you uh, have a hand in subtly putting any of those hidden Mickey's into the designs or anything? So we don't really actually acknowledge hidden Mickey's that they exist at all. Um, so I can't really answer that question. Wow. Okay. That's probably the best answer actually I could have gotten. Hence, um, hence, hence the term hidden Mickey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, jumping off of that, uh, in like the process of designing, uh, we can talk specifically about Disney Springs. Uh, for those of you who haven't been to Disney in a little while, like the area that's formerly known as downtown Disney has now been kind of like remodeled and updated and known as like Disney Springs. But um, if someone were to go visit now, uh, based on the part you played in like doing that update and um, the like kind of like the, uh, the new coat of paint in downtown Disney, um, is there anything from like a design aspect that you're really proud of that like when you would walk through that you'd be like, oh, you know, I got to play a part in that or, oh, I, I think that's really cool that just, a, you know, a typical guest may not see right away. So, well, two things about Disney Springs. So when we, when the company decided to, to upgrade it, if you will, um, there was uh, the village, which was the original shopping center, which was in from the seventies. There was Pleasure Island from the eighties and then Westside from the nineties. And from a Disney perspective, there was no story that unified those three different business ideas, essentially. So we created that the story of Disney Springs, which is the story of a repurposed town. So it's a town that's been adaptively reused. It would be like to say lovingly restored. Uh, so like cities throughout the U.S., throughout Europe, buildings are built, they're utilized, uh, then they're sold or they, they go dormant for a while and someone moves in and repurposes the building. So that was the idea behind Disney Springs. So everything from 1850, when the spring was discovered and we actually built a, built a spring, um, you know, the first cabin that was built, it was a rancher and his family settled there and, and, and grew their business. Um, but then it grew through the turn of the century where you had the industrial uh, aspect come into town. And then around the 1920s, they wanted to build a, a proper town center for all the mer merchants. So just like a studio, uh, everything that we do is based off of story and the best design comes out of a good story. It can be a sentence or it can be a paragraph. Um, but uh, so that is the background of Disney Springs. But from an aesthetic standpoint or a design standpoint, um, Jock Lindsay's hangar bar uh, was one of my main projects for Disney Springs. And being able to hide all of those Easter eggs in there, there's over over 30 uh, Lucasfilm Easter eggs in that in that location. Um, but from the, the uh, Lamella ceiling, which is what they they did in the 1920s to build air hangars. Um, to all of the props. Um, so Jock Lindsay, if you don't know, is uh, Indiana Jones is pilot from the first film. So when he's being chased down the hill, he's like, Jock, start the plane. Um, so the engines that you see on the outside of the building and the engine hanging over the bar on the inside, it's not from the, the plane in the film, but it's from the same make and model plane that was utilized in the film. So that level of detail 
um, I love. And as you go through and you look, there's story points all the way around. I mean, you know, uh, from there's a dive bell. So, you know, Jock not only shuttled Indiana Jones around, but he also started his own um, expedition adventure business. So he had other adventures outside of, of Indy. And we tell those stories in subtle ways throughout the whole inside of the, uh, of the building. So that, that was a lot of fun, you know, and that was a two plus year. So again, that was from in a conference room with sticky notes and, and pictures and little doodles that we made and writing words down and everything to, you know, opening day when we as a team stood there and, and uh, marveled at, at uh, you know, what the company had, had created. So a lot of fun. It sounds like so much fun. Like it, it, it's not just your typical desk job and you've made that very, very clear. <laughs> no, no, actually, yeah, as you know, it, and being in creative for Imagineering, you know, it's, there is a, the time for the desk, but then there's a lot of field work. So being an art director and a creative director, you know, again, I, my job is from, from the initial doodle to the implementation to shop visits to vendors to watch things be built to then, you know, the overnights where things are installed and then even follow up after that to, to make sure that things function as we designed uh, and that it's giving the guests the best experience. And that translates even into my, my work now uh, with my own company on, you know, doing the same thing, following storylines and, and again, from, from A to Z with the whole process. That's really, really cool. Um, you, yes, Hope. Okay. I was gonna. I was gonna. I was gonna segue, but you got this. Yeah. Um. I feel like you already kind of answered this a little bit, but like, how do you decide on like the final um, design of a project? Like, how do you say this is exactly what we want, um, and like what story we want to show off? So yeah. Well, it, you you said the right word there, right? It is story. It's always about the story. And and again, it can be a sentence or it can be a paragraph or it can be, you know, a multi-page script. But if you, what you do is you, you pick, you pick the setting, you pick the characters, you pick what the, the message is, what the story that you want to tell. And then essentially, as you make design decisions, you touch back to that story and say, within this story framework, would that make sense? So, uh, we always utilize the the idea of like, you know, one of those plastic A-frames you see in the mall, right? So if I was to take that and put that into Galaxy's Edge, that would, in your in your mind, you would walk out and say, wow, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't, that doesn't tell the story of this immersive environment that we've created because that's the biggest thing, right? When you go to Disney, when you go into a park, you want to be immersed. You want to basically walk away from the rest of the world and have this amazing experience. So um, design-wise, we always touch back to the, always go back to the story and say, why are we doing this? Why, why is this blue? Why is this red? Um, you know, why is the mortar between the bricks like this and not that? Uh, why would this be wood siding or why would the concrete, um, you know, more shell, more aggregate? Um, it, all, it, it even goes down to the planting, right? Like Disney Springs, we, we the company repurposed these huge oaks um, from World Disney to tell the story that it had been around from 1850, right? If we went to uh, a nursery and bought, you know, itty bitty little trees and planted those all around and you came in and I said, yeah, the town's been around for a hundred plus years and you'd be like, it doesn't, you're, no, it doesn't work. Your brain, your brain doesn't buy it. But, you know, uh, 
hundred year old oak standing there with the massive branches and trees. I mean, we hung lanterns in there, you know, to, to tell the story of how they used to have a campfire underneath and, and are, you know, repurposing um, that, well, not repurposing, but reutilizing that story in a modern way or to tell that story that the history of that tree and of that, that location, um, yeah, it all plays together. All right. Well, to, to piggyback off of Hope's question, um, is there like an average, I guess, uh, like, I guess how long would a, does a project normally take? Is there like an average amount of time from like the beginning conception, like doodles to it, you know, cutting the ribbon to it being open, I guess, whatever the yeah. pro project is. There's not, a, there's not an average time, but it's, um, I, you know, I would say anywhere from three to five years. Uh, it's, it's again, it's, it's very similar to the film industry. And that there's a there's a, a really long development phase, and sometimes projects go through multiple concepts uh, before you get to a final. So, hope to your question about how do you pick what story. Sometimes it sounds really good, and you know the initial artwork looks really cool, and then you get to a point, and either from a business perspective or a story perspective or a timing perspective, as the world you know everything changes as you see on a daily basis now, it just doesn't make sense. So you have to revisit and maybe, some, you know, sometimes you shelve the idea or sometimes they eliminate the idea, but, you know, there's always those parts and pieces of things that you've done in the past that you can pull forward um, and, you know, reutilize or, or repurpose. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it depends because, um, you know, some things are done in, in eight months, 10 months, right? If there's a drive, there's, there's a business need and, and the guests, we know the guests are going to love it or they know the guests are going to love it, then, you know, it can go even faster. But a roller coaster or a land, something like that, there's, there's so much detail. I mean, you know, I was talking about concrete uh, at Disney Springs, you know, there's multiples of, of different configurations and colors and how much exposure of rock and shell um, and it sounds, um, you know, sounds maybe uh, extensive or too much, but if we were to just pour gray concrete, like you'd see at the mall everywhere, and again, you walk into this 100 plus year old town, you're like, why does it look like a mall? Why does it, you know, why does it feel something? It, it, it's gray concrete, that doesn't make any sense, so. Um, in addition to like these design aspects, cause like a big part of your job, you've talked about like making those decisions for like the story of the design you're making and then eventually installing it and going along that process is the main part of your job. But was there anything else that you would do like in addition to design? So, well, I was talking about, um, and, and even now it's, it's working with different partners, different disciplines, right? So anywhere from the, the, the landscapers um, to the electricians, uh, to the operator. Um, a lot of, a lot of being an art director or a creative director is, is knowing how to work with other people, right? Because all of their jobs is as important as your job. Um, you know, it, it is a collective team. Uh, so a lot of meetings, right? A lot of talking through, you know, you talk to people that actually work with the, with the final product and what works, what do they like, what do they don't like. Um, uh, and then all of those parts and pieces you have to, uh, I always use the example of like talking to an electrician, right? Or to a plumber, they're, they're talking about a specific light bulb or lamp, but in my head, I'm thinking of the whole facility and how that singular piece works into the whole facility, right? Um, that works with like a land, it, it can work with a room, it can work with a whole land. <laughs> 
work with a whole park. Um, but you have to keep track of the individual wants or requests and how that plays out with the whole storyline. Mm -hmm. So you kind of got to like be the translator between like the, the really technical part of it where you're working with vendors and then what the guests want to see. You got to like decode that jargon to get to the point where guests are going to be like, oh, I like, like the guests might not say it. I like the lighting in here, but there was this whole process that you mediated that said like, all right, we need these kinds of light bulbs to produce this effect that the guests are going to notice. Exactly, exactly. So again, if it's, if it's a restaurant from the 1920s, but we have fixtures that we bought from the local store, you know, two miles down the road and just plug them all in. And you're like, I had that same exact light fixture in my house. Like, Maybe that doesn't tell the proper story. So, you know, even down to flooring, right? Is, is it a natural wood floor? Is it a tile floor? Is it polished concrete? What is it? But, you know, I'm dealing with the, the people pouring the concrete. Uh, I'm dealing with the people, with the carpenters putting the wood trim in, um, you know, dealing with the electricians, the folks installing the signage. I mean, you know, graphics. We always say graphics are, you know, uh, they always wait to the last second. They're like, oh yeah, we need a graphics package. But a graphic, a marquee makes a huge difference on a building, right? If it's poorly designed, poorly illuminated, uh, the colors aren't right, it detracts. But if it's done properly, then it's just like, it's like a piece of jewelry. It makes the whole thing shine. And when something, when all the components work and then it functions properly, then it's an amazing experience for the guests. And that's, that's your job on a daily basis is to make sure that all these parts and pieces come together, that when folks walk in or experience, uh, you know, this immersive uh, environment, that it is the most amazing thing that they've ever, they've ever experienced or walked into. So along that line of interacting with everyone on this process, did you ever, do you, did you ever interact with the guests in any capacity? Like in your role as an Imagineer? Well, as an Imagineer, again, we are, we're backstage, um, but part of our job is definitely going out into the park and watching, right? Um, we don't, our jobs are not to interact with the guests and actually to kind of be um, uh, quiet or it's not hidden, but um, since we're, you know, generally we're, we wear jeans or t-shirts or things because we're out and, you know, walking through constructions, construction zones, things like that. Um, but definitely going out and watching how people react and you know people getting on the rides people getting off the rides um you know in florida of course shade's a huge deal so watching folks stand out in you know or yourself standing out in the baking sun and saying oh yeah we probably should put some shade structures in here or you know uh, we need another water fountain or whatever it may be mm -hmm. um, but being a good designer being a good creative uh, art director is paying attention and listening right your from our partners from operations uh, to maintenance, whatever it may be, if you listen, um, and especially to the guests, uh, they'll tell you what they want, they'll tell you what they need. And sometimes when they don't say things, you can figure stuff out like, yeah, okay, that's, yeah, probably should look at this or that, so. So it really is from like beginning to end, like drawing board to vendors to like feedback once it's out there. Absolutely, because nothing's perfect, right? I mean, drawings are one thing and, and you, can, you can spend as much time as you want on a drawing, but when it goes to the field, there's always gonna be subtle changes and there's always gonna be challenges. Um, and then when you open, you know, um, people are people. Sometimes they don't do things that you thought they were going to do or they don't react how you thought they were gonna react. Again, I go back to film, right? You, you, can, you can put a film up and the group of people don't laugh where you thought they were gonna laugh. 
and you know, and they don't like the ending or they love the ending and you hated the ending or whatever it may be. So it's, it's the same idea. Um, but yeah, it's from beginning to end and then, and then beyond. So as a park art director, you're, you're in, you're in the park every day with your, with your, uh, partners. Right. Um, so you're seeing things on a daily basis and making decisions and, and adjustments, uh, again, with, with your partners collectively, again, to, to make it a better experience. It's, it's, it's like life. It's a constantly changing thing. And the more you pay attention and the more you make adjustments, the better you do. I guess, yeah. uh, one, another question I have, and this is more on like a personal level, more than like, uh, about the parks itself, but what do you think is, was your like biggest learning experience or like, um, like biggest takeaway from working as an Imagineer? I would have to say uh, the power of teamwork. And again, I'll say listening. Um, but, on, you know, such huge projects, there's one, there, there's no, and I know this is like a cliche, but there's no I, it's always a we, because you cannot do it by yourself. I mean, just like a film, you're talking hundreds, if not thousands of people to make things happen. Um, so, you know, as a creative, as a designer, a lot of people, and I was the same way for quite a while that you just want, you know, you want to do it. it you want it to be yours, but then you realize that if it's just yours, then it, it loses the, the richness that other people can bring to it. Um, and that was one of the biggest things that I learned and um, experience with Disney is the, the collective power of the group. I mean, watching, sitting with somebody like a senior, a senior art director, senior creative director and, you know, spending a couple hours um, just going and talking about color and talking about pulling out color chips and, and looking at things and how, how different things play and you come in with a, you know, a base design, but then, you know, spend a couple hours, couple days, couple weeks, couple months, just talking about color, uh, you realize, you know, and are lucky to um, pull from their experience. And again, how much that adds to your work as, as a designer, as, as a creative. So that's one of the, the best takeaways that I had. And then I was also lucky too, that, you know, I got to, to meet and, um, you know, on a light basis, work with people like John Hench or Marty Scalar, um, you know, presented Disney Springs to Diane Disney, Walt's daughter. Uh, so, you know, I got to, I got to, to get close to the, the people that really, you know, made it happen from the beginning. Reflecting back on Brendan's uh, questions earlier, too, and you were talking about um, going out and like seeing how the guests interacted with the different um, areas that you created and put up. Were there any times like um, that the guests didn't interact with like how you wanted them to, or like didn't react how you wanted mm -hmm. them to, and you were, you wanted to like go up to them and be like, why aren't you seeing my vision? Or like, why aren't you enjoying this the way you should be? Uh, I would say it would, it was more, it's more of, uh, that's, you know, it, it's interesting to see what people do, right? And see how they interact with what you've designed, what the group has designed and how you've constructed it and implemented it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it, it's, it's more of, of uh, an interest in how do, we, how do we adjust 
because what we're thinking is, but you're not getting the best experience. The experience could be better if we, it, you know, but we can see that that it's not translating. You don't, you're not getting it per se, uh, or, or you're not getting it how we think you should, you know, understand it. So what can we do to make adjustments to make it the experience that we designed in the first place? Or is there something, is there a better way or a different way with a different outcome that is even better than what we started with? I mean, you always have to be open to, things changing and that change, um, you know, yes, it's not your original vision, but the kids are smiling, the parents are happy, everyone's having a good time. So that, that is the right answer. We can definitely relate to like these points, like here uh, at Raving Geeks as part of like making a podcast on a smaller level, like there's a reason there's three of us. If it was just one of us, then it would go in a completely different direction. We need the feedback from each other. Um, and then we need feedback from like the audience, even if they're not going to receive episodes, like the way we thought, like maybe we just had an offhand comment and that's like the thing that like people are like, Oh, that's my favorite episode because of this one joke he made that like was persistent throughout. And that's like never really intentional. So I feel like throughout like this whole creative process, like it's big, it, like it's really big at Disney, but it's, you know, you can apply it more than just that area. Um, Isaac, I know, you, I know you had a yes. question. Um, I have a two parter. Uh, did you, uh, visit uh, Disney before you got the job there? Or was that like your first experience? No, I had visited. We went down a couple times growing up. Uh, so we would go to the parks. Uh, so I had the experience uh, of going to the parks as a kid. When, you know, we would, we would get in and run straight back uh, for 20,000 leagues or Space Mountain, you know, go all the way to the back of the park. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a shock to me, too, that that I, suddenly I was standing there in the middle of Magic Kingdom. And I'm like, wow, I work here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and part of that is um, now that you have worked behind the scenes, uh, you know how the sausage gets made. Um, has it lost the magic at all for you of, of experiencing this world? Because you know kind of how it's built, kind of how like, you know, like someone that becomes a cook can like eat at a restaurant and all they do is analyze the food instead of actually just embracing that taste. So. No, I, uh, I'm still a kid. Yeah. I still, I, I, I can turn it off and I go in and I'm there to have a good time. I'm not there to, you know, to pick apart other people's work or my own work. Um, I enjoy it for what it is. And uh, again, you know, galaxy's edge. I, 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 you know, I bought the star Wars sketchbook when I was, uh, nine years old, 10 years old and saw, you know, Joe Johnson and these, and these other folks, and, you know, just their, their, their pen and grayscale renderings of, of X wings and things like that. And I knew I wanted to get into film. I wanted to get into design. Um, so when I walk into a park, uh, any park throughout the world, any, you know, I just, I let go and I, I'm there to have a good time, entertain me. I want to have fun. Um, yeah, I think that's the best way to, to, to do it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really good. Um, and then, uh, like, one last question. Um, we've talked a little bit about, um, like, how, how you got here to, like, be an Imagineer. You, like, told that process. But is there any um, advice you would have for people that want to get in, like, to this, like, creative design aspect? Maybe not specifically Imagineering, but something similar. Because I know, like, now you're working on, like, similar projects just in, like, a different realm than Disney because I feel like throughout this like there's stuff we've talked about that even I didn't know and I've talked to you about this before um 
And I, to me, this sounds like really, really fascinating, even though this isn't the type of job that I'm aiming for. But is, is there anything like you could tell people that might be interested in this? Yeah, so I would say, um, uh, you know, just again, be open. So if, no matter what you do, if you want to get into a creative field and actually, you know, in many different fields, because, uh, you know, finance people will say to me, well, I'm not creative. And I'm like, no, you are. It takes, you know, there's a lot of brain power to, to work the numbers, to make things work and, and figure things out. Um, and it is a, it, it is a craft. Um, but just be open and then whatever experience that you can have, have it, <laughs> take it. You know, if you can, if you can, um, you know, design jewelry, design jewelry. If you can do have an opportunity, opportunity to do textiles, do that, printmaking, uh, draw, paint, sketch, um, you know, everything is so digital now, but it, if you can, again, work with your hands and um, build things and tear things apart and figure out how things work, all of those types of types of ideas. Um, but just just be open. And uh, again, if someone offers you an opportunity to do something, then, then go and do it because you never know that little, there's a little piece of that experience that, you know, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line that you'll, you'll pull back out of your brain and say, oh, I know how to do that. Or I have an idea how to do that. And I can combine that with all these other things that I've learned and produce this amazing, this amazing result. I mean, I, I do it all the time, you know, again, from, um, I mean, I've designed, you know, railings for uh you know, art nouveau railings for houses to um you know a, a kids tv program uh to packaging for pharmaceutical companies i mean there's a whole bunch of things it's, it's all different end result but the process is the same but the more that i can feed that process from different aspects and different ideas then the richer and more interesting the end product turns out to be Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, being, being willing to uh, answer our questions and everything. Um, I got a lot out of this and I really hope that uh, everyone else did too. It was a very, ex I feel like it's a very exciting thing to talk about, to kind of go behind the scenes of one of the most magical places on earth. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I, I had a great time and talk about it whenever you guys want to talk about it. Nice. Um, now, before we get going, um, as always here on Raven Geeks, we like to end with some recommendations for our viewers, whether that be movies, video games, comics, or anything else geeky. Um, hosts, do you have any recommendations? Uh, I'll start off this section. Um, so on the day that we are filming this episode, this series has not come out yet. It is coming out tomorrow, Friday, March 26th on Netflix. It is The Irregulars. I have been trying to hype it up the past couple of episodes because I'm really excited for it. Um, and so I'm going to be trying not to like be late to things tomorrow as I'm watching the entire series come out, uh, all of season one, because uh, it is Sherlock Holmes and it does have Supernatural and like two of my favorite things combined. Yay. Um, also, Falcon and Winter Soldier episode two comes out tomorrow. And I really liked the first episode. Like, my brother-in-law and I and my dad all talked about it like yeah it was a bit like expository and like you know just explaining things but it set up the series so nicely um and then this one I had mentioned earlier in this episode but prop culture on Disney plus it is so cool I cried during a couple of the episodes because of the emotions and everything that goes into just everything like you know that we've been like talking about this entire episode 
how much goes into the storytelling and yeah it's a really cool series all right i'll have to check it out um i would like to recommend um a video game uh the video game is uh, Subnautica. It's not necessarily new, but I'm finally playing it for the first time. And it's essentially you're trapped on an alien planet, but it's an alien like water planet. And so it invokes pretty much the entirety of the game is you're underwater. And it really invokes the sense of fear if you're afraid of the water. Uh, if you're not afraid of the water, it's a very beautiful environment. Um, lots of coral and fish and unique things. Since it's alien, like you don't even recognize everything for what it is. Um, and that's really fun. I started playing that. Give it a look. I'd also like to recommend, um, I've mentioned Villainous, Disney Villainous before, but I'm also going to recommend Disney Villainous and its expansions um, because I think it has three with more villains. And like I'm holding up a box that has a Scar in it, as well as Yzma from Emperor's New Groove. And... Uh, radigan from the great mouse detective and that's really fun um get all your friends together play it defeat heroes be villainous <laughs> nice the great uh, mouse detective that's a throwback that is i haven't watched that in a while uh jeff do you have any recommendations for us so uh, again, I'll do a, I'll do a throwback. So uh, again, one look up the Herbie Ryman, the original Disneyland sketch, which you can find online. And then two, the the great uh, concept designer Sid Mead passed away not that long ago. Uh, but Sid was an incredible designer, production designer, concept artist. So look him up, uh, and it's a visual feast. You'll 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 be amazed by what what he did. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Um, on my end for recommendations, um, my roommate has been playing this game called Forager all week. Um, I walked down the other day like for breakfast and it was just like on the TV still because he had recently gone to bed and forgot to turn the switch off. Um, and I'd gotten up to start my day. Um, so if you're a fan of Minecraft, it's kind of like similar like concept to that where you kind of like, um, you know, collect resources to like build out and expand out on your territory. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, uh, definitely go for it. Um, and I'll give some of my favorite like Disney stuff. That's not like, um, necessarily like everyone's favorite Disney stuff. Um, I really like the Lion King one and a half. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's like the kind of the story of the first Lion King, but from Timon and Pumbaa's perspective, um, you kind of get some of their background. So if you haven't seen that highly recommend, um, and then one of my favorite Disney uh, movies of all time was the live action adaptation of Beauty and the Beast. And I thought that was magnificent, magnificently done. Um, so if you haven't uh, had the chance to watch that, that's also on Disney plus. So um, that is all we have for you all today. Thank you all for joining us here on Raving Geeks. Uh, make sure you leave a comment wherever you're listening from. We'd love to hear all your thoughts about what we talked about today um, or anything you want to hear us talk about in the future. Also, feel free to uh, reach out to us on uh, Facebook or Twitter at Raving Geeks um, and uh, on our TikTok also at Raving Geeks, which um, as of today, I uh, posted another one that got almost 5,000 views. So um, uh, I feel like we're starting we're starting to trend on TikTok, everyone. Um, I also want to give another uh, very special thank you to our guest, uh, mm -hmm. Jeff Abraham. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, today i had a great time uh looks like hope and isaac also had a great time mm -hmm. um this was a, a really really fun uh, experience and conversation to have with you yeah. um so as always i've been uh brendan valentine uh, along with uh hope literal um i'm isaac hunter <laughs> all right 
Stay geeky and have a great week, everyone. Good night. Or day, whenever you're listening to this. <laughs>